uh, seven weeks now. We have been uh, we have been uh, working through a fall series in terms of what is 2021 going to look like uh, for us in church leadership. And we've told you, man, this is things be different. They're different now, certainly. And I know depending on where you are, that varies. In my church, we just had to cancel meeting live again this coming Sunday. And so we're back to no live services for the next three weeks. And if some of you are able to meet, I talked to a pastor in Oregon yesterday. They're allowed to have 25 people in the room or 50 outside. Here we are again, crazy times. And so we know that this is a different kind of year, all right? Definitely in the next year. And I'm going to toss it over to Justin, who's going to talk us through where we've come and where we're going in this Pastor Guide Fall series. Yeah, thanks, Brian. Uh, so we sat down and, and at the beginning of this whole process and said, what are the categories of things that we think are going to be really different for 2021? And how do we get prepared for that, right? So we've talked about uh, planning, doing annual planning differently and breaking it down into little chunks, quarterly chunks, because we don't know what the next year is going to look like, but we have more knowledge about what the next 90 days could look like, right? We talked about staffing. We talked about groups and assimilation. We talked about how to do live and online services. We talked about preaching, leadership teams, sermon series planning. Uh, today, we're going to talk about money, and we'll get into that here in a moment. Next week, we're going to talk about strategic partnerships. And, and this is something that's near and dear to my heart. I have um, been through several mergers, um, some really big kind of multi-thousand person church mergers. I've consulted on probably two dozen other mergers, um, but I think strategic partnerships in our cities are going to be really important for this coming year. We'll talk about why that is, and then we are actually going to extend Pastor Guide uh, this fall series one extra week. It was not our plan, but um, Brian and I were talking. We think um, that doing a week on personal scheduling and self-management uh, is going to be really important. So if everything's crazy and it's a hybrid year and everything's changing all the time, how do we manage ourselves? How do we manage our inputs? How do we manage our schedule? So we're going to do an extra week of that, uh, and that's coming up in two weeks. So with that, Brian Howard is the man you want to talk to about how to think about money in the church. So Brian, why don't you get us kicked off? Oh, all right. We're going to teach you three or four things today. I think we've got a few things we want to teach you. And so I'm going to remember church finances in 2021. It's not the same. That's what that's if, if you're remembering something from today, church finances in 21, it's not the same. OK, now, by the way, feel free to ask questions in the Q&A. Don't use the chat for questions, but use the Q&A for questions. And we'll take questions about church finance in at the end of our session today. We'll go for a few minutes and then we'll allow you to ask questions as well. Listen, let's start with this. Let me give you some normal church allocation percentages in terms of how to spend money. Now, you might feel like, man, I don't even want to talk about money. I like to preach. I like to care for people. You have to have a general understanding of how to spend money, okay? So you need to know that as a leader. You don't just get to leading a church. You are stewarding finances. And so what I want to say, let's have an understanding. Get out a pen and paper or some notes. I'm going to give you five categories here that you need to know about as normal. And then Justin's going to talk to us a bit about what's different for next year. All right? Here's some normal. Write down these five numbers. 50, 20, 10, 10, 10. Got it? 50, 20, 10, 10, 10. I'm going to need some very basic generalized numbers in terms of how to spend 
church. Now, these are not in the Bible, okay? They're just recommendations for a starting. And so when, when personal financial advisors tell us that you should spend such and such on housing and such and such on food, it's going to vary depending on who you are, but they're a good starting point. All right, here we go. 50% people, okay? Normally, we want to spend 50% of our budget people. Now, there's a range. You might be spending a little less, a little larger than that. Uh, some churches spend 55, some churches spend 57. But if you have a $100,000 budget, you're normally spending $50,000 of that on people. Now, hopefully you have a budget that's a little larger than $100,000, 50% people. That is salaries, benefits, uh, health insurance, anything like that, all right? Second would be the 20 stands for operations. That's all the non-romantic stuff. Our building payment, our insurance, our copy machine lease. You probably don't have one of those anymore unless you're a little older. But that would be that would be like um, anything that is not put into people necessarily, but is insurances and those sorts of things. All right. 10%. All right. We got 50, 20, 10. All right. The 10 is uh, ministries. All right. That's everything that's within. That's children's ministries and youth ministries and worship ministries and anything that is within, all right? The fourth 10 is missions. That's everything that's outside, all right? So when you think we've got 100% to spend, 50% of that we're going to put into people, 20% of that, now paying people's salaries, 10% of that goes to operation, 10% of that goes to ministry, everything within, 10% of that goes to missions, everything without. Now, missions includes local, um, you know, farther away, overseas, local, domestic, overseas. It includes that whole bucket, church planting. If you're in that world like Justin and I are, we want to plant more churches. And then lastly, the last 10% would be savings. All right. Why savings? Because, you know, just planting a church right now, they have money and savings. They're able to weather this storm right now. They're able to save for a potential long-term facility uh, because even a church plant should spend some money on savings. My recommendation is always between 5 and 10% in savings so that you can weather things that happen. Okay, so remember, normally in a normal circumstance, I'm going to say, this is how I'm going to chop up my budget. Now, you might say, does it have to be 50%? We have a bigger building payment or our rent is higher. Our operations costs are 27%. That's fine. At the end of the day, you can't exceed 100%. All right. So if you spend 90% of your money on your house payment, you're not going to spend very much money on cars and groceries or else because it has to add up to 100%. Okay. So for normal categories, and I need you to get those in your head. All right. I need you to think when we're allocating church finances, that has to all add up to 100%. And this is, this is a good starting point. Now, there's all kinds of nuances to this. And if you want to ask questions in the Q&A about this, Justin and I are both skilled in this area. We'd be happy to answer these for you. You might say, we're about to buy a building or finance something. How much can we allocate for funding? Or we're a church financing uh, people, sorry. We're a church plant. How much, you know, 80% of our dollars go to, to personnel right now or whatever. That's, that's fine. These are all nuances. But I just want you to remember 50, 20, 10, 10, 10 as a general guideline. Now, I'm about to transition here to say, but what about next year? Because not everything's going to be the same for next year. So we gather this, church finances in 2021, it's not really the same. I would say don't be a least and stick to the exact number. Now, 
Listen, my friend Pat Cottrell is on this call. He pastors Calvary uh, Church in, in uh, Huntington Beach, Calvary Bible Church in Huntington Beach, California. Uh, and, and a guy like Pat, you might go, hey, I need to go meet with our finance people and figure out what are our percentages. But it's good for you to know this at an overall level. Now, Justin, how is it going to be different for 2021? How do we need to think maybe even outside of these categories or within these categories? Give us some principles for thinking about 2021 now that we know the general baseline for some of these things. Yeah, uh, that's really good stuff. That 50, 20, 10, 10, 10 is something I've used for a lot of years uh, and is a great baseline. Um, and it, it, it baseline is a great way to think about it too because situations change all the time. I mean, so we're gonna lean in one way or another, right? We have an opportunity to hire somebody or we get an opportunity to buy a building that's just a little bit higher. You know, we're always leaning a little bit, but that's our center, right? And so that's super helpful. The way I would think about 2021, I'm gonna give you a principle and then I'm gonna, I'm gonna break down into some suggestions about what this could be, right? Here's the principle. I think in 2021, we want to be both more conservative and more aggressive with our money than we've been in the past. Okay, here's what I mean by more conservative and more aggressive. I think on the day-to-day -day budgeting level, we should be more conservative, right? So I am projecting a flat budget for 2021, right? No growth in terms of income. Now, in the early years of church planting, for those of you guys who are church planters, I recommend a flat budget year over year anyway, because it allows you, you're, you're typically going to grow. Um, it allows you to get savings early on. And savings is not something that church planners think about, um, but they should, right? We at, at Icon, we're in just into our second year, and we already have a significant savings account because we care about that. I care about having uh, that money in the bank to take advantage of opportunities that normally church planners wouldn't have the opportunity to take advantage of, right? So for 2021, I would recommend a flat budget projection, no growth in income, not because you're not going to grow, but because you want to then be able to pivot to the aggressive side, which is, um, I do think that there are going to be some opportunities in 2021. Um, there are churches, and I'm talking to churches all over the country right now. Um, some in the same city, in fact, in our city here in the Seattle area, there are some churches that are doing very well this last year. 2020 has been a good year for them. And there's some churches uh, here that 2020 has been a really bad year and they're in a significant financial hole. Well, the difference between those is what were, what opportunities those churches are going to be able to take advantage of in 2021, Right. So we don't know what the future is going to hold. We don't know about stimulus uh, opportunities that the government's going to roll out. We don't know how long the vaccine's going to take to roll out. Um, I saw one projection yesterday that said it's not really going to be fully rolled out till the fall. Well, I know for me in Seattle, that means that we're not going to be meeting regularly in person until that's happened, right? We have not met since March 3rd. We are not planning to meet until at least January at this point. And even then it'll be super limited. So I want us to be, I want us to project conservatively so that if 2021 doesn't go well, we're fine, right? Like that becomes a baseline for us to go. We're not gonna get ourselves into, into a bad situation. But if 2021 
begins to return to normal, we see we've been able to make the pivots that we're talking about here. Um, and we, we get, you know, kind of gain some ground and get some opportunity that just becomes banked money that gives us the opportunity when buildings show up. And I think they will. I think 2021 is the year. And we've said this all, all through this fall series. I think 2021 is the year that some of these commercial buildings and church buildings, unfortunately, start to come available. I think it's probably into quarter two, um, but it begins to happen in quarter one. I think people are going to come available, right? So these are some of the individual examples I want to give, right? So budget conservative, but act aggressively. I think that some good, high impact people are going to come available in 2021, right? There are these churches that are struggling right now, um, and they're going to have to make moves. Leaders are going to get restless. People are going to get restless. We've seen moves happen. Everybody I talk to is like, man, you know, 20 families from our church moved, right? Just because coronavirus has them restless and they, they want to make moves. We're seeing that. Brian and I run a staffing company together, Context Staffing. We're seeing this like crazy. We have had as much business in the last couple of months as we've ever had because people are wanting to make moves and people are leaving churches. People are wanting to find new churches. There, I think that there are going to be some really high impact hires to be made. But this is where I would say, be conservative and aggressive. Don't just hire anybody. Hire high impact people. Hold on to that money. Spend it wisely on the kinds of leaders that will multiply ministry, not just add ministry. And before I go on, Brian, what I would love for you to add something to that idea. Yeah, I would say a couple of things. When Justin says, hey, don't plan on great growth next year financially, if you go all the way back to the article on March the 23rd that Andy Crouch wrote, which I felt like was a really helpful article, he talked about the, the, the winter, the blizzard, the winter, and the ice age. And he said, we're not going to see financial slowdown until probably a year from now. Now, I have a good friend in Phoenix uh, who is in the commercial construction kind of business. And he told me a while back, we're still doing jobs that we sold eight or nine months ago. And so income is still coming in. But we're struggling to, uh, to sell new jobs. So you've got people in your church that maybe are still, they, they earned income later this year that may not make as much money in 2021. And so I think Justin is very wise in encouraging us to not be super aggressive in terms of upping our overall budgets for 2021, but looking more conservatively. We're doing that all across the board. The other thing I would say is Justin and I both know, for example, of a couple of guys uh, actually more than a couple who have during this time decided, hey, I cannot continue to live in this city. We need a different ministry context. Uh, mm -hmm. This church plant is not going to go. Uh, and when Justin says there are people right now, we're not being overly pragmatic. We're saying there are people right now that are looking to, uh, I need to get out of the inner city. It's time we're rethinking our lives that you may be able to pick up in terms of a pastorally in your local church, adding high impact, really valuable, um, uh, gifted staff people. So totally agree with that. Press on, Justin. Yeah, the last thing I'll say uh, on this, I mean, so we want to keep our budget static in terms of the, the baseline expenditures. So that's the conservative side. 
so that we can be aggressive uh, for opportunities. And that's buildings and high impact hires. I saw we already have a question about what a high impact hire is. We'll talk about that at the end. It's a great question. Um, the last thing I will say is this, and this, this might make some people feel uncomfortable. So I'm gonna say it and then I'm gonna let Brian tell, tell you why it's true. Uh, I, I think we need to think about marketing in 2021 specifically digital marketing, okay? Um, and, and some of you have been doing this and doing this at a really high level. Other of you have never touched your toe into this water. Everybody is online right now, everybody. They are reading everything online. They're watching everything online. They're sitting at their home bored online. Everybody is online and digital marketing connects to those people. We have seen so many people move in and out of our cities across the country. People are moving like crazy. And when they move to new places, they're looking for new things. They're looking for new restaurants. They're looking for new schools. They're looking for new churches. And where do they look? The yellow pages? No. Do they drive around town looking for signs? No. They look online. That's where they're looking for you. Okay? So this isn't about you poaching people from other churches. This is about you reaching out to the people who are reaching out looking for you, right? They are looking for you. This is where they're looking for you. You need to meet them there. So there are a lot of opportunities, ways to do digital marketing, whether it's Facebook or Instagram, uh, using companies like Glue, G-L-O-O, highly recommend you guys take a look at Glue. They are doing some really, really good work about targeted marketing. So you are able, these are guys in Silicon Valley, believers um, who said, man, the church has an opportunity here to speak directly to graphics, the kinds of people that they are reaching. You're able to tailor your message, tailor your target exactly at the demographics, the region, the kinds of people who are already looking for you, reaching out, and all you're doing is reaching back and saying, yeah, we, we, we want to find you, you want to find us, uh, and, and this is where we're at. So uh, I would just highly recommend you look into digital marketing. Brian, help us feel better about marketing in general. All right, good. Let's talk about this from a theological framework for a second. I tilt toward reformed theology, and I have friends, uh, because I work a bit in the exponential world and that sort of thing as well, that tilt more toward Arminian theology, but I tilt more toward reformed theology, probably many of you know that, and I believe that God stirs the heart of a person and draws a person to himself, okay? So what is my job as a Christian? As a, as a person living in society. It's to live in a way that is salt and light, both individually and collectively. It's to be here so that when God moves, God uses me to draw a person to, or God uses me to share the gospel with a person so that a person comes to know him. So for example, in my neighborhood, my neighbors know who I am. They know I'm a Christian and I know all of my neighbors and I play in a, a fantasy football league with my neighbors so that I can get to know them. And when they have barbecues, we go to their houses, and we know all of them, okay? So I probably know 20 of my neighbors really, really very well, okay? And when those neighbors have spiritual concern, they call me, okay? So just two days ago, a neighbor called me, discouraged down. I mean, I've done weddings and funerals for people in my neighborhood, all right? So listen, think about this from a church perspective. If nobody knows that you exist, how are you going to be there when God stirs the heart of people in your community and in your neighborhood, okay? So when we use the word marketing, we're not talking about uh, selling the church or watering down the gospel or watering down the message. 
We're simply saying, are we letting people know that we're here collectively as salt and light? Okay, so one quick analogy for this. Years ago, maybe 10 years ago, we sold a home in our neighborhood in suburban Los Angeles. And we called two real estate agents, husband and wife, who had been active in our neighborhood for years and years and years. We had real estate agents in our church at that point that we did not call. Why did we call this particular couple uh, to sell our home? Because they'd sold every other home in our neighborhood. They were a continual presence for years. And when it was time for us to sell our home, we called them and they sold our home. Think about this as a church. We are a continual presence in the lives of our community for days and weeks and months and years so that when God acts and he stirs the heart of an individual or a family, we are here. Now, when, when Justin says prioritize digital marketing, everybody's online right now. Absolutely. I know a, a guy who's planted four churches in Cleveland, Ohio, and he's targeted Facebook ads and Google ads to say to people, we are here. What you're saying to people when you market, and there's a theological principle here is we are here, we are present, we are salt and light, we're here to serve you, we're here to love you, and when God stirs the hearts of those people, you are ready to go. So don't be scared off. If you don't like the word marketing, choose a different word, digital evangelism, call it whatever you want, but it's- Look up the Greek word for it. There you go. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, the one thing I would just encourage you guys to do is ask yourselves like, is what we're doing good? Like, is, is our ministry worthwhile? Should people join us? Like, will they be blessed and benefited by it? And if the answer is yes, then there should be nothing that stops you from getting in front of people. And that's all it is going, hey, we're here. We're here for you. We're here with the best news in the world. And like I said, if you got to come up with a Greek word for marketing to make you feel better about it, that's great. Do that. Uh, but, but I think this is a really big deal and a really great opportunity with all of, all of the change and all of the uncertainty that's happening just to get in front of people, uh, where they're at, I think is going to be a, a worthwhile investment of your money next year. So here's where we've come from so far today. We told you, listen, here's some general budgeting kinds of guidelines for you as a church. Second, we've talked you through you're going to need to rethink some of this for 2021. And Justin talked about the importance of high impact hires. In fact, Justin, let's wait till we get to Q&A and I'll have you unpack that a bit more. We talked about the importance of not going crazy with your budget for 2021. We may be headed for a bit of a slowdown next year, you know, financially. We talked about the importance of spending money on digital, letting people know that you're here. Everyone is online right now looking at tools like glue. You know, I think this is really, really important. Maybe a couple of other quick thoughts here, you know, as you think about this. When you think about these budget percentages, you might need to adjust some of these for next year. It may be that your building costs are a little lower and your people costs are a little higher. Remember, we need to, we need to change things next year and not just pretend that this is 2019, that it's not. Now, here's a third thing that I want to push you toward, and I'll ask Justin to kind of lead the way here. I just want you to, you know, if you think of the three main things for today, here's your normal church allocation percentages. You're going to need to rethink this for 2021. And lastly, we want you to remember some final principles about 2021. So just to lead the way on this. Yeah. Uh, so the big principles uh, for, the, for the whole year, but apply to the way we think about our money. We've been saying since day one, 2021 is hybrid, right? a hybrid year. You're going to be doing a bunch of different things halfway, right? So in any time you're having to do more than one thing, 
right? And having to allocate resources in a number of different ways, you have to prioritize. I would encourage you prioritize what you're best at and what has the highest impact, right? Best at highest impact. You are not going to be able to apply the same amount of resources in every category. Okay. So you start from a baseline and go, Hey, right now, like for instance, where we're at, we're renting facilities. We have had zero facilities costs for the last nine months. That's great. Guess what I did? I hired a video editor because that's the need, right? So I hire a part-time video editor. I hire a full-time creative director because everything's online, everything's digital, everything's got to look pretty. I saved myself about $150,000 in building costs this year and was able to allocate it towards some personnel costs that, you know, up front, we're talking about this is short-term, this is, this is what this job is. It's a contract job, not a, you know, long-term thing. But this is how we have to think about it. We're hybrid now. Some of you have fixed building costs because you own buildings and I'm jealous because every other year that's an advantage, but it's not this year. And so if you are in a rental situation where you can be a little flexible, live into that flexibility. You have those dollars, spend them on your highest impact things that you are the best at. Starve some things that you don't need right now. Uh, feed the things that are having the highest impact. That's one. It's hybrid. Think about it like hybrid. Two, this is the year to innovate. Don't fight to go back. Fight to go forward. Okay. We, we've said that over and over. This is Brian. Brian said this a hundred times in this fall series. Think forward, not back. Innovate, not return. Okay. Don't fight towards what you know and what's comfortable. Fight yourself to go forward and think creatively. Okay, we're entering in the holidays. Things should slow down for you soon. Take a minute, take a day of solitude, take two days and, and whiteboard what are all, whiteboard a hundred ideas for what next year could look like. And most of them will be terrible. That's okay, right? Like just do the work to think about what innovation could look like for next year. So hybrid innovation. And then Brian, I'm gonna kick it back to you for this last one, because uh, I think it's really important. Yeah, so here's what I would say is keep doing what the church is called to do. Now, we taught you this in the very first week. The church is not called to do small groups. The church is called to live in community, to practice and live out the one another's. Okay, so the way that we oftentimes have lived out the one another's is by creating a system of small groups to facilitate that for people. So when I think about the things that the church is called to do, you know, preach the word, baptism and communion, gather together, community, giving, serving, uh, live in community, that sort of thing. Keep reminding yourself when Justin says, hey, we've got to innovate, not just fight get back to get back to normal. What Jen, where, where Jen Wilkins says, we've got to reinvent, not just remember. I would say, mm -hmm. what are we reinventing? Well, we're going to preach the word. We're going to do baptism and communion. We're going to gather together. We're going to one another, right? We're going to give, we're going to serve, but are we going to do those things differently? Yes. And we're even going to do finances a little bit differently in 2021. Now, some of you in some of our contexts, one of my friends from Indiana is here, and I think they're able to meet right now, you know, in a more, maybe a more traditional context, whereas Justin in downtown Seattle, uh, Matt Cohen and Tim Schutz at City Light in downtown Philadelphia, they're not meeting for quite a while. Us in Los Angeles, we just canceled the next four weeks. We're not able to meet our people don't even want to come for the most part, you know, so, so all that to say, 
Uh, right now, remember that we've got to think about what the church is called to do and then reinvent those things. Now, I want to say one more thing to you here that goes out of some of the past teaching I've done in Pastor Guide. Uh, we're going to do in a couple of weeks, we're going to do a week just on pastoral time and priorities, how you should invest your time and priorities for 2021. I just redid this again this week myself. And what I would say is, you have got to be spending time weekly as a pastor working on where the church needs to go. So remember, please prepare a good sermon this week. I preached Matthew 1, 18 through 25 last week, right? Uh, the Christmas passage, first week of Advent, okay? Uh, please, please prepare, be in the Word and preach a good sermon. Please continue to care for people. So we preach, we care for people, but then we also lead. And if you're going to lead in the ways that Justin and I are talking about, all right. I know many of you that are on this call, you've got to have blo a block of time in your schedule every week where you work on this stuff, where you work on the plan that Justin taught you, uh, I think, week two for writing a plan for 2021, where you look at your finances and you start to reallocate things. So you've got to have a time block. I teach that to you and Pastor God in the first four weeks, how to do that, how to, how to time block to do that. Okay. Now, listen, um, remember, we're, we're about to take some questions here, which some of you already have questions. But remember, uh, starting next week, we're going to give you a, a one-week opt-in for We're going to give you a, a uh, we, we, we do it for barely above our cost. We're, none of us are making a lot of money. I promise you on this, we're covering our costs and earning a little bit of income on the side much. Uh, we want to coach you throughout 2021. Next week, in case you leave early and you don't stick around for the Q&A, next we're going to give you guys that have been in this webinar with us for seven or eight weeks now, a shot to join us for 2021. So please don't miss next week. All right, Justin will give us a preview for that in a second. I'll give you a little bit more on that. But just remember next week, important that you come and you be here as we'll give you a chance to join us in Pastor 2021. Now, here's what I want to do now is I want to go to questions and I like to facilitate this and, and then toss them to Justin. Uh, I don't see this question that's come in, but Justin mentioned it earlier. Uh, what is a high impact hire, Justin? What do you mean by that? I know you talked a little bit about that. What do you mean by a high impact hire? Just give us a little bit more on that so that that's yeah. clear when you say invest money in high impact hires. Who is that? Yeah. So Tom Smith said, do you have some examples of hires that multiply ministry, not just add ministry? And that was kind of the definition in my mind of a high impact hire. So here's how I think about hiring. And this is a, this is a personal philosophy. I don't have a Bible verse, uh, but, uh, but take it for what you will. My personal philosophy is um, I like to hire deacons uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, rather than pastors. Now, it doesn't mean I don't hire any pastors. We, we have to hire pastors. But I am more likely to hire deacons than pastors um, in, for a couple of different reasons. One, deacons are cheaper, right? On a per dollar basis, they're cheaper and they tend to get things done at a higher level. Like they tend to be more productive in terms of execution uh, and operations. We also tend, and this is my experience, and maybe your experience has been different, but we tend to get more people, more volunteers to raise their hands to do shepherding and pastoral eldering work than we do people raise their hands to do execution operation admin work, right? So what we do here at ICON, this has been my philosophy for some time, is my, I have a lot of lay elders 
uh, a lot of guys I'm developing to be elders who are, um, you know, interested in shepherding and care and theology and those kinds of things. And I keep them in that world, right? So for me, elders are the highest spiritual office in the church, highest spiritual authority and leadership in the church. But that doesn't mean that they should also be the highest organizational authority in the church. Again, for me. So I can raise up a ton of guys who are shepherds, who love the Bible, who love people, who love theology, and let them be the highest spiritual authority in the church. I have a leadership team then that functions as strategic structure. These are people like I've got a guy who's a consultant for Boston Consulting Group. I've got a guy who's a marketing director for a startup here. Uh, I've got a gal who's a director of operations for a nonprofit. Uh, I've got another gal who's a pharmaceutical rep. And they are my leadership team. That's strategy and structure, lay people for the most part. Um, and then I've got a staff. And right now, I am the only pastor on staff. We've got a couple of director level people and some admin level people. Um, but it keeps my staffing costs down. It lets elders be elders. It lets strategy people be strategy people. Helps me to, uh, uh, to empower and elevate women into significant roles of leadership because that's the leadership team is deacons and elders overlap. So I think about it like a Venn diagram. There's overlap between staff and elder, between staff and leadership team, between leadership team and elders, but they also have their own distinct areas. I'm the only one that serves in all three, okay? So here's what this does. It lets me outsource high level strategy to people who can give me, you know, it's a quarterly meeting. We're putting together the 90 day priority, the one year plan stuff we talked about in our strategic planning week earlier in this series. I've, I've outsourced most of my shepherding and care and theology to guys who want to do that and are willing to put in five to 10 hours a week in uh, because they want to be elders. Um, and then I'm able to save most of my dollars for staff to do execution and operations. Okay. So that saves me money. It, it, it multiplies the things that, that uh, often don't want to get done by lay leaders. Um, and then when I, when I talk about high impact leaders, um, that, that I'm talking about people that I would pay to multiply ministry. So they are going to lead and multiply the things that are happening, not just do work, right? So, you know, this is an oversimplification. Deacons do work. Uh, directors, pastors, high impact leaders multiply work, which means they're raising up, delegating and empowering 10 times the amount. So there's like, like a 10 to one ratio. I hire one person, I get 10 people's worth of work because they are systems builders. They are uh, people delegators, people developers. Uh, and I, I want to, uh, I want to kind of save my big dollars for those people right? Uh, because we tend to have to pay elders and pastors more per dollar or per hour uh, than we pay deacons per hour. Now, thankfully, none of my staff are on here to hear me say that out loud. <laughs> uh, but, but that's the reality of staffing structure uh, and, and kind of my personal philosophy. So I hope that's helpful, Tom. Let me add a couple of things here that may be helpful. Step back a, sec a second and think carefully about how your staffing dollars are spent. Okay, so I, in Pastor God, I take us through a, a staff planning process where you step back and you, you look at all of your staffing dollars and you think through carefully how I'm going to invest these dollars. And what Justin is doing is he's saying, hey, here's the application of that. Here's how you need to be doing that. And, and um, 
One mistake that I see churches make is they hire the person who's there. They hire the person who's faithfully shepherded. This yep. person has been faithful. They've they love people. They've invested in people. And then they hire that person because they're there. That person is doing what they love to do oftentimes for free. They're a lay elder. They're, a, you know, whatever, something like that. And so, man, I, I would just say be really careful to not just hire a person who is there, but to be really thoughtful. You know, I'm trying to look up at my shelf here. Gary McIntosh from Talbot Seminary. I don't see it. I think he just retired. But he wrote a book called Staffing Your Church for the Growth. Staffing Your Church for Growth. And the first three or four chapters, if you can find it, it's still in print, are really helpful. It's probably 25 years old, but he talks about, if I remember his grid, he talks about uh, there are um, two different kinds of staff hires. There are staff hires that are finding people and keeping people, and the other staff hire is caring for people and shepherding people or something like that. And he says, you need to be weighing all the time these different kinds of staff hires. Now, we can't get into all this today, but what I would say is, uh, there's a there's a lot of strategy behind staffing, and what Justin is saying is if you thought it through carefully, didn't just hire the person who was there. All right, let's go to Andrew Ariano's question. He says, "What makes a building worthwhile to be aggressive in this season, renting versus buying?" I don't know that I'm completely clear on your question. Maybe Justin is. Um, you understand what he's asking there, Justin? Well, I mean, we're talking about being aggressive, and I think he's saying, "What are the what are the kinds of things I'm looking for to know whether this something is a good uh, opportunity to be aggressive about?" So, Andrew, it's a good question, and and every situation is going to be different. Obviously, like being in downtown Seattle, um, you know, buildings are just hard to come by here, and so uh, you know, like for me, parking isn't a super high priority. I need probably ten spots, twenty at the most, because you know, it's a city, people are used to parking in neighborhoods and walk into places. So uh, if you're in the suburbs, you need more than that, right? So um, you're, I'm gonna have to trust you to get down into specifics. So I, I'll just talk in principles. One is I think market, uh, you know, getting things that are under market is, is an opportunity that you have right now. I think um, a lot of churches, and, and this is just a, this might be getting too specific, but um, I, one deal structure that I think could be a really winsome deal structure right now um, is to, to partner with churches that are struggling, dying, maybe they're old, maybe they're you know on the brink, but they're not ready to give it up yet. Um, one way to structure a deal, and this is stuff that I'm working on here, is to say, hey, let us buy your building. Um, it's, our, it's our building. We, you know, we own it. We're going to remodel it. It's going to be our place. But um, you carry the note, right? Uh, so we, you know, that that reduces oftentimes your upfront cost, uh, and it makes it more likely that you're able to get the get the deal because most churches aren't particularly bankable, uh, and so you go to real institutions and it's hard to get real loans. Um, so you go to the church, you ask them to carry the note, you give them maybe 10% upfront or something, whatever kind of cash injection is going to be helpful to them, um, which is often not a lot, right? Like they're dying. A hundred grand is going to be a lifeline to a lot of churches like that. Um, and then you're paying them a monthly mortgage, right? You enter into a, you know, a deal with them where it's a five-year note with a balloon at the end where you're going to refinance you know, to a, a real bank at that point. Um, but the part of the deal that makes it work is you keep them, basically they become your in-house renters, okay? So you know, they're an older congregation uh, and they wouldn't mind either doing the 
the brutal 8 a.m. Uh, you know, service slot because they're up at four anyway, uh, or or a later, you know, 11:30 or something like that, or an afternoon slot. So it's a blessing to them. You give them a little cash infusion, which is usually about paying the pastor, or you, you know, strategically give the pastor a retirement fund. Uh, you give them a place to continue to do their little thing. Maybe it's a side room, you know, at uh, at a more opportune time of the day. Um, but you get the building. Everybody wins. It's a blessing to everyone. So opportunities like that, I think, are the way we can kind of creatively think through deal structures um, and and get into buildings right now when we maybe normally couldn't. Right, like as a second year church plan, uh, no bank's going to want to talk to me. They'll like that I have cash, but we're not bankable, right? So it's going to have to be a deal like that. So I think under market value, I think creative financing. Um, and then I do think, Andrew, that we have to assume that eventually things will get back to more normal, right? I hope we never go back to what it was, because if we all go back to what, what things were like in 2019, we will have missed significant opportunities to innovate and change and grow. So I hope it never goes fully back to what it was. Uh, well, I hope your church never goes fully back to what it was, uh, because I think you will have missed an opportunity. Um, but I think looking at buildings and going, hey, eventually we're going to start meeting again. There's going to be a vaccine. We're going to be able to all meet again without masks and all that. But what, what are some opportunities that this building allows us to do that we've just never dreamed about before uh, and that 2020 has, and 2021 have caused us uh, to think about? So those are some principles. I hope that's helpful, Andrew. Cool. All right. Uh, Tim Stewart asks, we moved to replant in March. COVID definitely was a curveball. Part of the move was selling a property or funds. So we have about 280K in the bank for replant funds on the monthly side. We definitely need to build on that amount. So looking at 2021, I'm more hesitant to be conservative on upgrade projects to the building. Everything is online and we're building a core like in a church plant. So I'm thinking of savings is better than a new kitchen or new flooring thoughts. What's the best strategy for those funds? Man, that's pretty hard to answer. It feels to me, and I know you, Timothy, fairly well, right? It feels to me like there's a lot to be considered here. You know, I think we can give you some general guidelines. Uh, and I'm doing a lot of coaching of larger churches, oftentimes that have a million or a million and a half dollars that were allocated, say, to a building project this year. You know, I think several things are true. Here's one thing that's true, or maybe true is too strong a word, could be discussed. One would be this is. This is a fairly good time to do building renovation kinds of things because your building is empty oftentimes. Uh, some of you, it's not empty, but I see several churches that are doing things right now uh, that it seems like this is a pretty good time to do it. It's really hard to, to say with funds, is this the best use or is this the best use or is this the best use? Here's another thing I see churches doing, and this might be against what I just said. I see churches putting more money into people right now than buildings oftentimes uh, because you need to survive this next year, okay? So who cares if you have a beautiful building if you went from 200 to 12 people because you didn't care for any of those people this year? And so I see what Justin just talked about, churches putting money into digital and that sort of thing. So it's hard to answer this exactly because uh, we're telling you reinvent rather than remember, innovate rather than fight to get back to normal. So if this is innovating, then that may be a good use of those funds. But I don't know that there's one good use of those funds. It feels to me like you've got to ask questions like, where are we a year from now? What's our opportunity in the next year? 
What do we need to be changing? What do we need to be reinventing? If this is part of reinventing, I could see that, but it's hard to go much deeper than that, uh, not knowing the nuances of this. Uh, you want to you want to say anything about this, Justin, or go to the next question? Yeah, I would start by saying, uh, if I understand this correctly, you were able to sell a property and you still have a church. So. Uh, I think everyone hates you uh, for having that opportunity. Um, but uh, yeah, man, I mean, I, I, if you're if you're getting to build out, I don't know, uh, Brian, where is Timothy? Do you know? Northern California, Sacramento area. Okay. Sacramento area. Perfect. So you're in California. So you'll be on lockdown till late 2030. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, and so I, here's what I would think about. This is just a couple of ideas. I'd go, first of all, build a sanctuary that can be a studio. So that it's a studio when you need it to be a studio, uh, and then it's a sanctuary when you need it to be a sanctuary, and it's a hybrid when it's a hybrid, right? So if you're going to put money into something, put money into something that's good for now and good for later. Wouldn't worry about the kitchen, uh, personally. Uh, I would I would prioritize big rooms over little rooms because you're going to be able to use big rooms before you're going to be able to use little rooms. Um, if you've got outdoor space, I would prioritize making the parking lot into an outdoor uh, church, you know, think about lighting for outdoor. Think about, uh, you know, uh, like flow of parking and outdoor space that way. Um, so think about upgrading things. You know, if you've got a janky parking lot, uh, repave the parking lot because it could be your sanctuary for a while, right? Um, and and then just be a better parking lot. So uh, I would think about it that way, uh, Timothy. Uh, uh, beyond that, I think what Brian said is super helpful. Good. All right. One more question. And then uh, I want, don't leave yet. Hang around for another minute. But TC Taylor, my friend TC from Indiana, uh, TC uh, wants to know, Justin, going back to what you were talking about in terms of the way ICON is structured, do you see your directors as deacons? Uh, yeah, typically. Um, yes. And I, and I would say this, I think a lot of guys feel a pressure to pay their uh, elders more than their deacons. If you've got pastors on staff paying them more than your deacons. Uh, I don't know that that's, I don't know that I would do that. Uh, and, and so if it, if, if you're asking that uh, because of a pay scale issue and, and what then you have to pay them, um, like right now, all my directors are deacons, but two of my directors are in our uh, kind of leadership development process um, and will likely be one day elders. I'm not going to give them a pay raise at, at the end of that process, right? Like I pay people for what they produce and what they're responsible for, not the title, right? So um, if I got a shepherding pastor on staff and I've just asked him to counsel people and do premarital, um, that's a that's a job I wouldn't pay uh, somebody to do more than my deacon executive director uh, because she's got way more responsibility and is, and, and is overseeing a lot more. So I wouldn't get yourself tied up into that uh, and tying title to pay scale that way. Cool. All right. Give me three minutes of your time before we wrap up. For the past three years, I've been leading and running Pastor Guide. I invested tens of thousands of dollars shooting 70 videos, coaching you every week for the past uh, three years or so, there's been 100 to 150 uh, men, men, and there's some ladies in it as well because it's for church teams as well. And so we've got different staff people as well, but a lot of lead pastors, executive pastors. Uh, about six months ago, Justin and I started to talk about doing this more together. And I've, I've known Justin for many, many years. We've pastored together over the years and, and been friends and collaborated together and done a lot of work together. Uh, and he's, uh, he's not promoted himself very much, but he's planted churches that have grown to be very large and has a very successful 
track record. Plus, on top of that, he's conservative and godly and loves Jesus and preaches and honors the scripture. And so uh, all that to say, next year, we're going to be doing something different and better in Pastor Guy. So essentially, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be here with you every week, all year long, uh, coaching you through 2021. Plus, we're going to be bringing in several national leaders that will interview and help guide you next week. And, you know, I could name drop, but I'll wait a little while. You guys know, most of you know, I'm very well connected in that space. And so it's as is Justin. And so we're going to be bringing in national leaders once a month on the first Thursday of the month. We're going to be tackling in weeks two and three coaching you. And then uh, in weeks four, we have a plan for that as well, where we'll be doing uh, key issues that we feel like aren't part of the series. And so every week we're going to coach you in 2021. On top of that, I've recorded 70 videos for you with PDFs and with, um, and with a whole guideline to help you know how to spend your pastoral time, how to build a staff, how to avoid train wrecks in, in terms of staffing, how to double the amount of your volunteers. Is there any one of you that feels like we have all the volunteers we need? No, don't lie. You don't. You need more volunteers. We're going to do all of this with you next year in Pastor Guide. All right. Uh, normally we charge $97 a month for this or $197 for a whole team. If you decide you want to jump on with us next year, we're going to do it for $75 a month and give you a discount uh, next year, which is $900 total for the whole year. Now, listen, if you've ever been coached one-on-one, -on -one, it's way more money than that. If you've ever worked with Rich Plass or Jim Cofield or been coached by me, it's way more money than that. Okay. So what I'm saying is, Dive in with us. Spend a little money on yourself to grow next year. Go to your church leadership, your elders, and say, I really need to grow next year. And join us because we are investing in you all week. Or not all week. I mean, yes, we're thinking about you all week, but every week, all year in Pastor Guide. So next week, next week we're going to launch this, kick it off, tell you how to join us. And, uh, and then we're going to be with you one more week, and then we'll take a couple of weeks off over Christmas. you got to get your Christmas Eve service ready. And then we'll be, we'll be with you the first week of January. All right. So get ready to join us in Pastor Guide next year. It's, I mean, maybe you feel like it's a sales pitch, but what it is is saying, please join us. All right. That's what we want. Now, Justin, as we close out today, what are we doing next Thursday in this fall series? Yeah, we're going to talk about strategic uh, partnerships and collaboration uh, in our cities next year. I think it's going to be a really important part of what it looks like to be the church in 2021, not just because of coronavirus and all that craziness, but I think increasing cultural change uh, and the necessity of, of Christians, especially kind of orthodox evangelical Christians working together at a much higher level. So we'll discuss what all that could look like next, next week. That is good, man. Hey, thanks those of you that stuck with us the whole time today because you're committed to your own growth and you're committed to learning. And this is important. All right. Don't just don't just spend every moment with a person caring. That's good and godly to care. Think through your plans and how you need to go about pastoring more effectively. We will see you next Thursday and the following Thursday, where we'll focus on how to best invest your pastoral time in 2021. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for being with us. Great to see all of your faces and the comments that you've all made. Hopefully this has been a productive time for you. Now don't just leave it with information. Go do something today. Do something. Take a forward step. Order a book. Study. Rethink your staff. Uh, spend four hours a week working on reinventing, not just remembering, and we'll see you next Thursday. Bye, everyone.